0: So I think, you know, one, celebrate the tension, but then kind of find a way to parse out some of those differences and really center on uh, the commonalities, you know, why are we in this movement, what, what are we trying to achieve, and how can I take a little bit from my experience, my background, my skill set, how can you do the same when we put those together to uh,
1: explore collaborative solutions? What's going on, everybody? You are now listening to Dr. Thomas Richard Easley. I'm a hip hop artist, forester, and assistant dean of community and inclusion at the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies. Welcome to the Heartwood Podcast. And today, I'm very honored to be honestly talking to a friend of mine. Um, I wanna just start with his bio. He's featured as 2017 Green Biz 30 Under 30, Emerging Leader in Sustainable Business. This individual develops strategy programs and communications that promote business growth, create value for stakeholders, and cultivate healthy culture and maximize positive impact on communities and the environment. Now, in his spare time, his free time, whenever he has any, uh, he uses his voice, keyboard, and cameras to tell meaningful stories. I mean, he really is a gifted, photographer. This individual graduated from North Carolina State University with a BS in Environmental Science and a focus on sustainable materials and technology. And while at NC State, he scored three engineering internships with the North Carolina Department of Transportation and a sustainability internship with the City of Raleigh, Offers of Sustainability. I'm smiling because I know this individual pretty well. He was a student of mine as well. Uh, he has worked uh, as a strategy manager at, at Interface Americas, he's a globally recognized sustainability leader and, um, and 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 just to have him here with me, I'm really proud. So I'm talking about the one and only Jerome Bond. What's going on my friend? Nothing much, Dr. Easy. Hey. Good to see you. Thanks uh, for having me here. Thanks for it's, uh, it's a very special moment.
0: I feel like, you know, it was yesterday when I was walking around campus as a freshman and seeing you uh, there, you know, you've always been somebody I've looked up to and Appreciate the great work that you do in this arena. So, right. um, thankful to be here with you on the podcast.
1: All right, yeah. So, and uh, being that we're here at Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies, uh, as, uh, as the future will hold time, causes new things to happen. And I'm happy to have you here, brother. And I just want to go ahead and get into it.
0: Okay, let's dive right in.
1: <laughs> Look, tell us who you are, because you and, you and I both are southerners, oh, yeah, but we're just from different parts of the, as I say, the dirty south. So, so tell us some more about you, man. Okay, you
0: well, I, I was actually born in Maryland, Prince George's County, Prince Maryland. George. I was okay. only a, I was only there till about age 12. Okay. Um, moved to Charlotte, North Carolina and therefore became a southerner. Uh-huh. Um, grew up uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina. My dad was a pastor. Um, I was actually homeschooled from K through 12. And so, um, you know, pretty much grew up very tight knit family. Um, I went to North Carolina State I, I'm seeing your face. Do we need to pause there at no, the homeschool? No, 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 <laughs> no, I was
1: just like, well, I didn't. I, I knew about the homeschool. I didn't know it was that long. Yeah, because I remember yeah. when you were coming to state, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and they told me, you know, yeah, you know, he was homeschooled. And I was like, yeah, I was just thinking. Uh, like first year to, you know, like to to the senior year, yeah. but okay, I, I'm, I'm just, and, and not to have an issue, I'm just oh, like, no, no, no. I'm just learning so much. I'm sorry, please continue, yeah. my bad. Yeah, so, you know,
0: <laughs> shout out to my mom, super thankful for her, for really pouring her entire adult life into, uh, mm-hmm. you know, me and my siblings and just kind of helping yes. us get to these places that we're in today. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, homeschool proud. Wow. Um, I uh, got to NC State mm-hmm. in 2011 mm-hmm. and was initially majoring in civil engineering. I thought I wanted to build these huge roadways, stadiums, bridges. Um, mm-hmm. Growing up as a kid, I loved to play with Legos and blocks and just thought that I had a very structural, uh, you know, structural career in my future. Uh-huh. Um, I actually started my internship with NCDOT after my freshman year right. and mm-hmm. quickly realized on that internship that I was way more interested in the creeks and the roadways below the bridges that I was supposed to be working on. Than the actual bridges themselves. Okay, nice. um, I kind of had this epiphany where I realized that, you know, hey, when I was a child and I loved to, you know, go to the library and read about the outdoors and go on different hikes uh, at my local park, you know, go out in the backyard and pretend that that gully gushing with rainwater was a vibrant creek. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, when I, I reflected back to those times and realized that I've always had a love for the outdoors and an appreciation for um, just natural resources and just the earth itself. And so okay. I had this moment out on the mm-hmm. internship where I realized, hey, I can actually take this passion for the outdoors and turn it into a viable career. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of a pivot for me. That was a turning point um, okay. where I you know, transitioned to environmental engineering and then eventually environmental science with the focus in sustainability. And so yes. that's kind of the uh, academic foundation Um, For what got me to where I am today, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like like you mentioned earlier in my free time. I enjoy photography particularly landscape photography. Um, I just love capturing the stories of the outdoors and just Mm -hmm. um, You know, for example, I was sharing with you earlier that I went to Yosemite National Park last week. Um, It's snowing there It's about 12 degrees Mm -hmm. uh, blistering cold Mm. and I was so intrigued by the fact that this same park that I visited earlier last some uh, last summer uh-huh. had a completely different identity like the same exact spots that wow. I uh, traveled to to shoot um, in late uh, August mm-hmm. look totally different and so I just love capturing the mm-hmm. the variance in nature and just kind of how different seasons and different climates influence uh, the landscapes that we love to behold so okay um, so that's just a little bit on me you know how I got started in the outdoor space. Um, mm-hmm. I love to uh, kind of, you know, in my nine to five, work to protect the environment. And when I'm mm-hmm. outside of it, I enjoy it with photography. So, okay.
1: Yeah. Hey. Well, thank you for that, uh, you know, for, for that really uh, good uh, intro. Sure. Um, my dad, you're on the talk show, man. you good. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. Well, you know, so now, you have, um, I'm, I, I want to talk a little bit, because you've been covered, you know, in, uh, you were covered in 30 Under 30, and it was a really powerful a capture of like your background and some ideas that you had. In that article in particular, though, you talked about creating community in sustainability. Is sustainability a secret weapon? Okay, I, th- I think it was something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, uh, because I'm working here as a Dean in, of Community and Inclusion here in the School of Forestry, and I feel like the community is a very important part um, of everything that we do within forestry as well as the environment because really when we talk about protecting the environment, I feel like we're talking about really addressing the people. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm curious to you, like, what did you mean by that when you said creating community is sustainability's secret weapon? Hmm. So that's a great question. Um, so,
0: I think in the sustainability space today mm-hmm. um, a lot of these solutions, the innovations uh, that are being created, the challenges that we're trying to surmount a lot mm-hmm. of the brainstorming, a lot of the ideating is happening in very homogeneous spaces, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I believe that, you know, the more that we we include people from diverse backgrounds in these conversations, the more dynamic the solutions will become. Um, okay. You know, one thing that I noticed um, during my time um, specifically in Atlanta mm-hmm. um, was that a lot of the organizations that you know, I liaised with with um, that had a huge heart for community, a huge heart for communities of color, communities in need, communities suffering at the hands of environmental injustice. Mm-hmm. A lot of these organizations uh, came up with really great ideas, or seemingly great ideas, for how to address some of those issues. Okay. But a lot of those organizations looked to kind of copy-paste those solutions onto the communities that they were looking to help. Mm-hmm. And I recognized mm-hmm. that, hey, Although and, and I'm guilty of this too. you know, mm-hmm. um, I have a lot of ideas that I've thought to be, you know potential game changers, but mm-hmm. I realize that it's important to engage intimately with communities that you're mm-hmm. looking to uh, that you're looking to touch and figure out ways to kind of work hand in hand to create collaborative solutions because, mm-hmm. you know, we don't know what it's like to, you know, be in their shoes. You know, and so yes. it's it's almost you know a little prideful to take our standpoint, even though it's coming from a good heart, and know 100% that it's going to be what that community needs. So, for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. just to mm-hmm. illustrate this a little bit, mm-hmm. um, I was you know riding with a friend to the basketball court and telling him about one of my ideas around um, really ameliorating poverty in Atlanta. Okay. And you know, I'm sharing this idea. And, you know, I'm really excited about it. I've been ruminating on it for years now. Mm -hmm. And my friend turns to me and says, hey, and I didn't know this at the time, but there was a point in my life when I was homeless. He said that to me. Mm -hmm. And honestly, the idea you just shared with me, even though it's coming from a good place, I would not have cared about that when I was homeless. And Mm -hmm. that really struck me. It showed me that, wait a minute, Mm -hmm. as good as I thought that idea was, I need to listen. I need to understand the worldview, the experience uh, just the everyday struggle of this community in need that I care about, mm-hmm. and so that at, from that point on, um, mm-hmm. I felt like it was important to share with my fellow mm-hmm. sustainability professionals that mm-hmm. you know it, it's great the work that we're doing, the workshops that we convene mm-hmm. to discuss these solutions, but if we're not mm-hmm. uh, building community with mm-hmm. those that we want to reach, yes. um, those ideas are only going to go so far. Ooh. And so I think that's a big piece that's missing right now.
1: The reason I went, who like that, I'm sorry, I guess I just did a little offset thing, right? Look <laughs> crazy, right? At Yale, that's right. Mm-hmm, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. But am um, mad at it. Yeah, I just, uh, I, I, I agree with everything that you said. I, 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 I'm I hitting pause, because I, I had another one that I want, and, and I do, but I really want to kind of go to that one I thought I was going to close on. Okay, DMs, okay. Because, so we just did this, re- I, I, I'll tell you why. So we just did this recent um, workshop this past Wednesday. Mm-hmm is environmental justice <coughs> mentoring workshop with our <coughs> New Haven Adult and Continuing Education Center. Mo- and I, I think we were just talking about that also right, earlier. Right. Mostly populated by I don't know, African-American, Latino keys, but also uh, some individuals that are also, refugees, like it's a haven for people too, mm-hmm. but they're surrounded by a lot of environmental injustices with the polluted lake near okay, them, okay. the cemetery that's even polluted, mm. so it's just a number of things, right? Okay. And we're with these individuals, uh, and I, I was so proud to have our students Uh, there uh, it was was, was amazing it was amazing sounds excellent our students got to hear some things that they hadn't heard before
0: Hmm.
1: okay and i appreciate our students because they didn't push on what the community was telling them similar to what you said about your friend like you know what and and they weren't saying this to the to the students because students uh, said anything they were just saying like as we're thinking about you know uh the different things you know, we gotta think about survival. Mm-hmm. You, know, we, you know, we're not thinking about, you know, like, uh, you know, the environment, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. You know, we gotta think about that, you know, because we're just selfish, you know, we just do these things for ourselves. Now, me as a black man, I'm standing there listening to this, mm-hmm. right, hearing it, coming from a similar, basically, or the, you know, same community, just in another state. Mm. But I'm like, wow, this, it, it got me how they talked about themselves, which I'm like, you're talking about me. So then I started asking questions like, do we die from bullets or, or, or mm. diabetes more? Which one? Mm. You know, and I was like, because the answer is actually the second one, not the first one. Diabetes, right. not the bullets. Uh-huh. I was like, are there more of us in college or in jail? This lady said both. I said, wrong, in college. And I was like, so the narrative that we even have about ourselves, wow. to me, lends itself to continued doom. Hmm. you know and so because we were there and they didn't see the connection between environmental injustice and their health mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so my, my, my question for you as you are going in these spaces how does your identity impact you going in these spaces or how do you think it even impacts other people or how you talk to people to even make or how, how you do community how does it if it does I shouldn't assume that it does does it and if it does please tell me how yeah well
0: I mean, I think, I think my identity always paints, um, you know, I think my identity paints my everyday experience. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I first started working in sustainability, attending conferences, different summits and things, um, I noticed that I was typically the only person of color in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was very uncomfortable. Um, I I learned how Mm -hmm. to embrace it and how to navigate those spaces with confidence Mm -hmm. um, over time. But as a young, you know, 22-year-old out of school, you know, this was a different world for me. Gotcha. And, you know, when I started to speak up on such matters a little bit, um, I was kind of met with the, you know, well, of course you're going to talk about that because you're, you know, you're a person of color. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there was a period of time where people didn't fully understand that uh, or maybe not take the issues as seriously just because this is kind of what I was expected to care
1: about. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Did, did that make sense? It does. Be, yeah, I was expected to uh, care about.
0: Yeah, I got you. yeah. But but over time, um, I found different allies. I found different platforms to kind of um, accelerate my message a little bit, and mm-hmm. and with that uh, came an added confidence where. Um, I I don't know, I just feel a responsibility, like if I'm in a room and we're talking about sustainability and nothing about the social comes up, nothing about communities in need comes up, Mm -hmm. I feel like it's such a missed opportunity. And so Mm -hmm. even though it can be uncomfortable, even though I still do kind of get that kind of stereotype, that assumption that of Mm -hmm. course he's going to talk about that, Um, I just take that responsibility because if I'm not going to do that, um, I feel like I'm letting down so many people because you never know mm-hmm. through through sharing through, through bringing these topics to light you mm-hmm. could be inspiring somebody that could um, kind of transform a particular community in their respective space you know you just never mm-hmm. know I mean words mm-hmm. have power and you never know um, who who's hearing you and so I just do right. my best to speak up on these things when mm-hmm. you know when appropriate mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. even when uncomfortable. Mm. And so um, so yes identity definitely wow. paints all of that it's definitely a challenge but um, I think there's there's a lot of people out there that are enduring greater challenges than just speaking up and so yes. I feel like you know it's the least that I could do um, in the place that I'm at
1: okay here we go you know uh, we, we, we both have faith, the same faith background so now you're preaching <laughs> uh, <laughs> well you know okay so I, I want I wanted to try to see if I can combine the thought I had in my mind because, um, you know, coming, you know, like recognizing your background from Atlanta, you know, I wanted to ask maybe how that upbringing in in Atlanta, how does what does that tell you about your role, what you have in the world, which you kind of started talking about it, but I also know that you have had you know uh, engagement, you know, based in uh, you know in this powerful carpet company, so you have this. You know, coming from, you know, Maryland, Charlotte, you know, touching beautiful space, Atlanta. Um, Most people don't get excited about the carpet, at least in my opinion. I do because it feels good. But I don't know, you know, everything. (laughs) But how do you use your role at a carpet company to create a shared vision for the world, recognizing this other, you know, these other backgrounds? You know, Prince George's County, Charlotte, D.C., Atlanta. North Carolina, mm-hmm. now you know San Francisco. Yeah,
0: yeah, well, you know, first and foremost, you're right, you know, carpet isn't the most glamorous industry to, to mm-hmm. start your career in. Um, honestly, mm-hmm. not a lot of people know about Interface or its competitors even, just because they're in the B2B space. So you're never gonna see mm-hmm. an Interface commercial on TV. Um, mm-hmm. and so when I first got the job with Interface, I don't think I really realized how big a deal it was I knew that they were a sustainability giant, but Mm -hmm. um, I kind of, because they didn't have the type of, you know, brand presence that maybe a a Google or a Facebook or, you know, a Mm -hmm. a mega tech company from the Bay Area may have in sustainability, um, I don't know, I just kind of slept on it a little bit. But, you know, immediately when I got there, Mm -hmm. um, I learned even more about Ray Anderson, you know, one of the world's. Uh, most renowned sustainability icons and just the legacy that he created within mm-hmm. that company through his mission zero goal uh, mm-hmm. that evolved into climate takeback. Some great work that Interface is doing today around reversing climate change, mm-hmm. and immediately through um, being able to be in certain rooms with such uh, such brilliant minds in sustainability um, that liaised with Interface um, that worked for Interface. I was able to just soak up so much knowledge and learn from um, just so many people that are leading uh, the sustainability charge and so you know through working with Interface I've been blessed with the ability just to um, just have access to learning at a young age um, Mm -hmm. young in my career and Mm -hmm. through that um, you know I was able to be recognized for things like 30 and 30 through some of the work that I did and you know, personally I believe that to whom much is given, much is required and mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Um, very early in my time with, with Interface I had some opportunities to speak to students down at the University of Florida and through mm-hmm. that opportunity kind of unlocked my passion for equipping young professionals, um, young students with the tools, the knowledge, the resources to Really brighten their corner of the world in the particular way that they want to do so. Yes. Um, and so I think Interface helped me realize that passion, and from there I've been able to do a lot of speaking at universities around the country and just mm-hmm. um, do what I just said, just find ways to help students unlock their passion mm-hmm. and marry that to their strengths and step mm-hmm. into meaningful, fulfilling careers. And so. Uh, my role with interface was very customer facing and so I wasn't working directly um, with communities or directly on environmental projects. A Mm -hmm. lot of it was kind of taking Ray Anderson's vision and multiplying that out in the marketplace, but through uh, investing in students I feel like I'm able to take what's been poured into me, Mm -hmm. pour some of that into them and then watch them you know, kind of go on and, and change the world in very unique ways. Okay. And, okay. you know, one thing that Interface's founder, Ray Anderson, said that really stuck with me is that he wanted the company to be restorative or sustainable through the power of influence. Okay. And so, you know, they're a company that that uh, is motivated not only to uh, be sustainable within their four walls, but also... Mm-hmm. Um, influence other entities to pursue similar goals and collectively we make a big impact and so for me I feel like okay I'm I'm able to make a particular impact personally on my own but if I pour Mm -hmm. into more people that impact could potentially multiply down the road and Mm -hmm. so that's one way that um, through Interface I was able to unlock some of my passion and then use that to uh, really push the vision for the world that I have
1: okay Woo. Okay, so good. I have really telling one last question, then I'll you know ask you if you if, if there was something else that that uh, that you wanted me to cover, because we could talk about a number you know things. You know it's so many things. You know we've known Absolutely. each other for years. Yeah, now. we could go on and on all oh, day. We could talk about how faith impacts what we do, how family impacts what we do. Can we just expand this episode by like two hours? <laughs> I, mean, I, I think I, I think we need to. <laughs> I like think want. we need to because it's, it's so much to capture. I want to ask you a little bit kind of like maybe something that may be potentially like around conflict. Okay. So working in a space like here at Yale FES, which is it's a great space, um, but you know, it's an institution that's built on, I would say, some conflicting values when you look at the current state of the, of, when you look at the current, like say, cohort of mindset of the students hmm. that are here, you know. Um, I think that we are now attracting people who embrace capitalism. I think we have people who reject or challenge capitalism. You know, hmm. I think we have people who embrace forestry and how we, what we understand as traditional forestry, which is my background. I know we also have people who challenge it. And I'll be honest, I'm one of the people who challenges it okay. as, as okay. a forester, you know, from an environmental, um, you know, more from like an environmental, um, Uh, not, you know, like um, predatory capitalist perspective, but more from like uh, being more open uh, to uh, enhancing environment versus taking from it. My question to you is that coming from the South, going out West, going into different spaces that you go in, how do you navigate or interact with mindsets that could be conflicting? Uh, with you, you know, how do you interact with an industry that could maybe maybe conflict, you know, like with values and I'm saying maybe because I don't want to assume. Mm-hmm. or how do you engage with this culture of competition as we're trying to get people to be not benevolent but very thoughtful as they're trying to grow their own, whether it's a personal economy or impact the world? How do you engage with those kind of conflicts? That's a great question. Uh, I think I think the first step
0: at engaging with that conflict is, just embracing and celebrating the tension i feel like mm. in that tension there's things that can be learned on both sides um okay even if you know you fundamentally don't agree with every element of another person's uh worldview, i think there's tons that can be peeled you know through cross pollination um from that um, mm. I, I think also you know I, i'm a very uh, kind of emotionally in-tune person, and so I try to understand people's heart, and people's motivation, and people's, uh, what people are in this movement for in the first place, because even mm-hmm. if, you know, one person believes in creation, one person believes in evolution, like both people want to see natural resources preserved, so like mm-hmm. let's let's put aside some of the things that we differ on, because going back and forth on those items. I mean, you know, not saying that that process isn't valuable, but I don't think that it's going to bring us collectively toward the end goal that we both have in mind. And so Mm -hmm. I think, you know, one, celebrate the tension, but then kind of find a way to parse out some of those differences and really center on uh, the commonalities. You know, why are we in this movement? What, What are we trying to achieve? And how can I take a little bit from my experience, my background, my skill set, how can you do the same? We put those together to uh, explore collaborative solutions. And so, you know, in, in this space, you know, it, it's very sustainability, it's very broad, it's very uh, inter- interdisciplinary within the organization. It's cross-functional. And so you're, you know, you're hearing perspectives from a very vast array of people. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, even geographically, sustainability in Atlanta looks very, very different than sustainability in San Francisco. And so Mm -hmm. I think, you know, being able to um, engage with people across so many different platforms and backgrounds has shown me just the importance of, um, or it, it showed me how similar, in fact, our motivations are even though they look differently on the surface yes you know i've I've been able to figure out okay let's let's dig let's dig a little deeper and and get to the heart of things and kind of
1: walk hand in hand from there okay well well so the 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 things that you have another point you have to get to soon but before we uh i guess let you go i'd like i need checking with is there something that you would have or that you would like to talk about something that i didn't ask you um and as a matter of fact, if you want, I can just elaborate a little bit why we titled this "Heartwood," and if that'll trigger anything. Sure, sure. Uh, which you know, Chris has already, uh, and and also you, everyone, let you know, Chris Perkins is here in the background. Uh, <laughs> you know, as Chris, you know, Shout mentioned, you know, earlier, it, this helps us uh, with uh, the conversations that we need to have uh, around community, uh, but around supremacy, around a number of challenging ideals and thoughts. Um, we use this platform in a way of like kind of meeting that intersection of forestry, environment, and diversity. Like where does this industry impact, not just socially, but where does this impact people personally? Where does this impact us emotionally, which you've already alluded to it? And so uh, being that that's, you know, what the podcast is kind of focusing on and having these conversations through different aspects of it, uh, is there something else that maybe I, uh, that I could have asked you that I didn't? that aligns with your work, that aligns with your personal calling, as you feel, you know, that you'd like to elaborate on and share with us? Sure, sure. I think, you know, as we
0: close out, you know, I want to share with uh, the listening audience that mm-hmm. everybody in this space has an opportunity to change the narrative. Um, you know, diversity in forestry, diversity in sustainability, and natural resources, I think is paramount to us experience in the future that we want to experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, you know, diverse rooms, um, all working together, brainstorming, uh, how to get to the future we desire. Um, It's essential. Without diversity, um, it's tough to take the steps in those directions. And so I just encourage um, students, you know, in in your future careers, just to step into them, um, thinking about how to champion diversity whether it's um, you know finding whether it's hiring an intern from a background that's different than yours whether it's um, creating a mentoring program for young minority uh, staffers within your organization there's so many ways to to really invest into uh, young minority talent Mm -hmm. um, within corporate america or elsewhere
1: and so i just think having that on your radar I think that you know working as an environmental professional I think that for me working in this role I try to I try to create the need for people to be human more so than be robots and do well um on the job because we can't be up 24/7 um but we can. We, the truth is, but we can love 24/7. Mm-hmm. We that's really can. We can that's embrace 24/7. Yeah. You know, that's something that we can do. We can mm-hmm. make. We actually can make space for others 24/7.
0: So yeah, obviously, a lot of us were were brought to this space due to our love for the outdoors, our love for the national parks, um, mm-hmm. our desire to preserve the natural resources that uh, the earth uh, provides us with. But I think that we need to be holistic as sustainability professionals. Um, We need to think about um, how our lifestyles, how industry um, impacts people that might not live in our zip code. And so um, if you keep that at the top of mind and let that influence your work, your decision-making personally, and also the decisions that you make for your future company, I think that um, we can collectively work together to uh, just change the narrative and create a different, future, not only for us but for um, communities that really need it. Um, I think sustainability, um, this space, uh, there's so many interesting things, whether it's biophilic design, Mm -hmm. biomimicry um, Mm -hmm. that are brought to the indoor environment, things that we enjoy in the wellness space, um, but we're spoiled. And I think there's a population out there that desperately needs these uh these elements of sustainability just for that everyday vitality and so you know let's enjoy the best of sustainability for ourselves let's continue to tell these stories to push out these narratives of change but let's do it for everybody and make sure that we can all share uh, in this vision that we have for the world i
1: see chris nodding i'm nodding I love to. I love to hear his loud silence. I love it because I know. I know. That's, that's, I, see, I can feel it. I can improving. feel it. That's yep, my brother yep, saying, yep. "Yes, we good." Oh, cool. To all of the listeners, I want to just thank uh, in in opening in person, uh, my friend, uh, brother Jeremy Bond, for coming to visit with us, man. This is good, man. Thank I learn a lot from you. I, I, I'm, a I'm always learning from you. You know, I mean, everything you said from everyone can change the narrative. Being holistic as sustainability professionals, I just wanted to say it back: embracing and celebrating the tension you saw the value in cross-pollination. You you recognize that you're emotionally in tune. Um, finding a way to parse out those differences so we can focus on the commonality. I just want to, I think, close out with... Uh, these are some takeaways. If people say, what can we do? I, I, I just gave it to is. you because I just repeated what the professional said. Uh, I thank you for uh, for for honoring us uh, and being here and looking forward to the rest of your time here at Yale. Thank you. Uh, everyone listening, thank you. Thank you, Chris Perkins, for always being amazing and helping make this happen. We'll see you all on the next episode. This is Thomas Rashad. Easley signing out. Hardwood is recorded at the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies in New Haven, Connecticut. Hosted by Dr. Thomas Richard Easley and produced and edited by Mr. Chris Perkins. We'll see you next week.